Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Matthew chapter 11, as we are walking through the Gospels in chronological order of the life and times of Jesus Christ. And so we find ourselves here in Matthew chapter 11. Now, I did skip over one part, and that was the part where John had sent disciples to ask Jesus, are you the coming one? Because we had covered that earlier in um, this series. So we're, we're moving past that. And we're coming to this place in Matthew chapter 11, and verse 25. And it says, at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. You've hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Now, what we're going to do is now jump over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 for a moment and see exactly what Jesus is saying here. And Paul embellishes this truth in verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Verse 19. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. The, very, the two very definitions Jesus used of people, the wise and the prudent. And here, uh, this is a quote from Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 14. And then Paul goes on to say, well, so where is the wise and where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. In other words, the world through its own wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Verse 22, for Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Jump down to verse 30, it says, but of him... You are in Christ Jesus. Say that tonight. I am in Christ Jesus. All right? And because you are in Christ Jesus, look at this. He became for you wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. And Jesus is taking this moment to just stand in awe of the wisdom of his Father. Thank you, Lord, that you hid this from those who claim to be or seem to be the wise and the prudent, and you have given your wisdom, you've given your treasures to the unlearned. Verse 26 of Matthew 11, Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I want to give you some definitions for some of these words because maybe this applies to one or more of you here in this room. When he says, those of you who labor, this word labor means to grow weary or tired or exhausted. And this is the one that I think that we can relate to at times. To labor with wearisome effort. To labor with wearisome effort. That's who he's calling to come to him. The word heavy laden, the words heavy laden mean to overburden with ceremony or spiritual anxiety. To overburden with ceremony or spiritual anxiety. Um, to load one with a burden, with a burden of a religious system of ceremonial practices. This is the message you get from the religious system. 
This, the fruit of that is spiritual anxiety. The, the fruit of that is overburdened. The fruit of that is labor that exhausts you. But he says, come to me, all of you who are under, this, under these kinds of burdens, you're carrying these kinds of weights, and I will give you rest. Listen to this. The word rest means to cause one to cease from any movement or labor in order to recover and collect his strength. To cause one to cease from any movement or labor in order to recover and collect his strength. It also means to keep quiet or to be calm and have a patient expectation. Isn't that nice? I will give you rest to keep quiet, to be calm, and to have a patient expectation. Patient is just confidence in God. It's confidence in God no matter what time goes by. Confidence in Him. A confident expectation. You find that in that place of rest, that gift of rest that He gives us. Verse 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want you to notice something that Jesus said here. He says, take my yoke upon you. There's still a yoke with him. There's still a yoke, which means he's in charge, which means he's the one who's guiding. He's the one who's leading. He, he's not saying that you're free to just be led by whatever. He's saying, take my yoke. Let me be the Lord. Let me lead you. Let me guide you. My yoke, you're going to find out, is easy. The yoke was put on the cattle to guide them in their plowing. Jesus offers this yoke. He's the one who's going to lead. He's the one who's going to guide. And his lordship and guidance, thank God, is easy and light. You know, there are times in your life when you're going to be tempted to pick up those heavy burdens. You're going to be tempted to try to carry those things. When things are happening in your life, you know, you'd be tempted to kind of bear the weight of that. But don't go that way because that's not his way. Jesus offers you tonight. He offers you rest. And he offers you guidance and a leading, thank God, that is going to take you to your expectation. And it's not one that's going to weigh you down. It's not one that's going to be wearisome. It's going to be quite refreshing, calming, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let's go to Hebrews 4 for a moment. Now, y'all are way too quiet. Y'all are way too quiet. Y'all are way too quiet. Come on. <laughs> Hebrews 4, chapter 1. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. The word that they heard and we heard, we heard the same thing. But the difference is some did not believe it and some did. All right? For we who have believed do enter that rest as he has said. How are you going to do that? Jesus offers this rest. How are you going to get there? You're going to believe. You're going to believe what he says. You're going to believe his guidance. You're going to look for a new expectation in him. For we, have, we who have believed do enter that rest. So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter in, my, in, 
enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Do you see what he's saying here? He said he, he's, his wrath was kindled because they would not enter the rest, even though all the work was finished before the foundation of the world. Everything was done. Everything that was necessary that had to be done was done a long time ago. So God now just says, okay, it's an open invitation. There's no work on your part. There's just rest on your part. And that rest looks like believing me, taking me at my word and going after the promise that I have set before you and receiving it and being fully persuaded that I'm able to keep whatever I promised. Thank you, Lord. There remains, therefore, verse 9, there remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. To enter into his rest is to believe upon hearing his word and mixing his word with faith. That's where you enter into that glorious place called rest. You know what's amazing? And you can find rest in the most chaotic situations in your life. Hmm? When everything in you is telling you you need to be concerned about this, you need to worry about this, but when you're resting in Him, you're letting Him do all the worrying. He doesn't worry much, I don't think. You're putting all the concern on Him because that's what the Word says, casting all your cares, all your worries upon Him because He cares for you. So let that sink into that. Let that just get in your spirit. Let it get in your heart. And maybe you just need to make a confession tonight. Make a stand tonight, a confession of faith. To say, I'm going into rest tonight. I'm going to believe the Word of God. I'm going to believe His Word despite what situation I'm in right now. And I'm not going to carry what I wasn't made to carry. I'm not going to come under that pressure and let it push me down. Because God offers us faith in Him and rest as a result. Luke chapter 7, let's turn there. Verse 36. I love this story. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. We don't know why this Pharisee asked Jesus to come over for dinner, and, but he did. He came over. There's a very good chance that he asked Jesus to come over to try to catch him in his words. Maybe he was genuinely curious. I don't know. But he did invite him, and Jesus accepted the invitation. I mean, who doesn't like a free meal? So he comes to this man's house. Josiah, can I borrow you for a second, young man? Or shall we call you Jesus for a moment? I want you to just lounge here on the stage. Just kind of lay on your side and sprawl across facing the audience. Okay? Very good. So, this is, the kind of, this is the kind of reclining that was done during that time around the dinner table. All right? I think we should go back to this. I like this. Right? And they're all just, we don't know how long uh, uh, the period of time had, had gone, you know, from the time Jesus was invited to the dinner and they're eating until the sinner walked in the door. Who will be the sinner? <laughs> Kayla. <laughs> you be the woman who is a sinner. <laughs> All right? And as I 
describe here what happened next. You just kind of demonstrate. <laughs> sure. Now watch this. Behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus was at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. Okay? You're all the dinner guests. You're all sitting at the table. You're watching this happen. How many of you feel really comfortable at this point of what's going on? How many of you are excited about this moment right here? Right? Like, what is, what is going on here? Right? They're eating dinner. Right? She comes in and she does this crazy act, right? With the, wiped him with the hair of her head, and she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is judging him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. I love this. What these Pharisees don't understand is he can see everything that's going on in their hearts and minds. He can hear their personal conversations with themselves. Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed $500 and the other one owed $50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Now, remember... All this is going on. She's still doing this stuff, right? They're having this conversation. And I'm telling you, she's still doing it because you're about to find out that she actually is. She's continuing to weep and to wash his feet and do all that stuff. Simon answered and said, I suppose uh, the one whom he forgave more. Jesus said to him, you have rightly judged. That was pretty easy to rightly judge that, right? I mean, one owed 500, one owed 50. The man forgave them both. Who's going to love him more? I suppose, you know, the bigger debt, yeah. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet. This means this is happening right now as he's talking. She has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. Whoa. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Let's give them a big hand. Thank you guys so much for your demonstration. Awesome. I mean, come on. We can all, we can all relate to who in the room. Who, who can you relate to in the room? To the center? Really? Well, I mean, that's great. If you can relate to the sinner here, that's, maybe you should be preaching up here. Hmm? There's a lot of, this is a strange event. And this, this man sees this woman, he knows her reputation, he says, this, this, this is a holy man, if this is a true prophet of God, he would not allow this. This is out of bounds. But Jesus lets it happen. 
And then he starts comparing what she's doing with what he didn't do. Right? The one who should know. The one who should know how to be hospitable. That's why you kind of wonder what his intention was in having Jesus because he didn't do the things it seems that he should have done to offer hospitality. To offer him no oil. No place to wash his feet. Nothing to drink. So, looks like there is some level of dishonor going on with this man who does not appreciate who's in the room, but this woman comes in and she realizes who is before and she takes that costly oil that, that, that was about a year's salary. I mean, this, this is an in, incredible, this is, this is, what is that oil stuff that Pearl uses? No, what's the name of it? Essential, yeah, this is, yeah, this is greater than essential oil, even though essential oils are great. But anyway, I mean, we're talking about extremely costly. And she breaks this open and she pours it over his feet. I mean, just the generosity and the extravagance of this display of love. Now watch this. This is amazing. He said to her, your sins, look, he said, uh, therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many. Jesus did not acknowledge. He doesn't try to excuse or say that what he is is not. Right? He says, her sins are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Isn't that interesting? Because I think about the illustration that Jesus gave. Think about the illustration that Jesus gave. And, and this illustration is about two men that are forgiven their debts, Right? And he proposes the, pro, proposes the question, who will love him more? Simon gives the reasonable answer, the one who was forgiven more. Their, their show of love, these two guys, their show of love, in other words, was in proportion to the forgiveness that they received. Uh, the amount of forgiveness of their debts. And they responded in love upon their release from their debt. They respond in love upon their release from debt. But that's not how this woman did it. And Jesus turns that story around when he starts talking about this woman. He said she is forgiven of her many sins because she loved much. It looks like the horse or the cart got before the horse here. The loving is a response to that forgiveness. But he says she went about it the other way around. She loved much, therefore she's forgiven much. Did you see that? She's forgiven, though her sins are many, are forgiven for she loved much. Hmm. Not she is loving much because she is forgiven. She's showing extravagant love as if she already was pronounced forgiven. What's the difference? Faith. This woman came in there with faith. With faith and a heart of worship. And when she brought faith, that substance of those things that are hoped for, the evidence of those things that are not seen. In a sense, calling those things that be not as though they were, she got exactly what she believed for. Look what Jesus said. Let, uh, next verse in this chapter. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins but 50? And then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. A woman who had a reputation as she did, who was 
loaded down with burdens of sin, and yet in one act of love. I don't know why she thought she could do that. I don't know what made her take such a risk, except she had to have heard some news about this man. He forgives sins. Nobody can forgive sins but God. And so she, by faith, walked in there and poured out and brought that incredible demonstration of love as if to say, when I'm done with here, I'm going to walk out of here forgiven. And she got exactly what she believed because Jesus said, it was your faith that saved you. He didn't say it was that costly oil that saved her. It wasn't the extravagant worship. All of that was an expression of it. But the heart of the matter was faith. Faith in God. I love this about our God. He responds readily to our faith. It's a language that he understands. It's a language that he speaks. And if anyone will simply believe, his eyes roam to and fro over the earth, the scripture says, looking for those who will believe. Looking for faith. Let's, let's pray. Father, I thank you tonight for this great time with your family. Thank you, Lord, for the rest that we find in you. When we come to you and we take what you have for us and we give to you, Lord, our cares, our concerns, as your scripture says, don't worry about anything but in everything by prayer. Supplication. Let your requests be made known to God with thanksgiving. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. I pray for rest for souls tonight. The rest that Jesus comes to give. That quiet calm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I thank you right now for being a very present help in time of need. Thank you, Lord, for the hope that we have in you. That though we don't see yet we believe. As Peter said, though we don't see you, yet we love you. Yet we love you and we hope and we believe that you are who you say you are. So I pray right now for whatever situations, Lord, the people are in tonight, whatever trouble or fix they find themselves in, I thank you right now for ministering your rest ministering your peace, that it would wash over them, that it would refresh them, that it would rejuvenate them, that it would strengthen them right now. Do what only you can do in this moment, Lord. I thank you, God, for the powerful peace of God and for the joy of the Spirit, the joy of the Lord right now, Lord, to, to be attached to them, that they will be, begin to feel the strength of God. That inner man, that spirit man will begin to well up on the inside of them. So, Lord, that they will walk by faith and not by sight, knowing that this circumstance, these troubles, these issues will change. Our troubles are temporary, but His Word is eternal. So we look to you tonight, our great hope, our anchor, the anchor of our soul. Thank you, Lord, that you always make a way because you are the way. You are the way. Just because we don't see the way doesn't mean there's not a way. And just because we don't know the way doesn't mean you don't know the way. You have help for us. Thank you, Lord, for that rest tonight. Thank you, Lord, that we can walk by faith and you always respond to our faith. 
you call us to do it. Whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. The answer is always yes to faith. It's always yes to those who will believe on him. Take him at his word. So Lord, we're encouraged by your truth tonight. We're encouraged, God, by this assurance that we have in you that you are faithful. And even when we're faithless, you remain faithful. So I charge you tonight, my family, those of you who are with us by live stream and those who are listening by podcast even now, hold fast the confession of your hope without wavering. Because He is faithful who promised. Hold fast to it. The reason you got to hold fast to it is because it's going to try to slip away. Stuff's going to try to take it out of, your, out of your heart, out of your mouth. But you hold fast to it. You cling to this promise. You cling to what God has said. You hold on to His call on your life. You hold on to Him because He's going to take you all the way through to victory. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we bless you, Lord. Let's stand together. Let's stand together and just worship Him for a moment. Let's just take a moment to bless His name. Bless His name. Thank you, Lord. Praise your name, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. There's nothing too hard for our God. Nothing is too difficult. Hallelujah. All things are possible to those who believe. Thank you, Lord. We believe tonight. We believe your word. We believe you. We trust in you. So we cast our cares upon you. Lord, we're not going to bear these things. We're not going to let these things weigh us down. Tonight, Lord, we're taking what's easy and what's light in Jesus' name. Thank you right now for the spirit of the living God ministering to these lives tonight. Have your way. Guide us. Lead us. Thank you, Lord, for the wisdom that you have become. You have become wisdom for us in redemption and sanctification and righteousness. So we rest in you now in the name of Jesus. And I declare even over you tonight that in your physical sleep you will both lie down in peace and sleep. For he makes you dwell in safety in the name of Jesus. And he shall give his angels charge over you and all of your house and keep you in all of your ways. And they will bear you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against the stone. No evil shall befall you and no plague shall come to your dwelling. No weapon formed that is against you will prosper. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. You are the excellent ones. You are the people of God. You are the church of the living God. You are sons and daughters of God. God has not given you a spirit of fear. He's not given you a spirit of bondage again to fear, but he's given you a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. He's given you his spirit, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And as your heavenly Father, he watches over you, and he loves you, and he's concerned about everything that you're concerned with tonight. That's good to know. That means your God is on your side. So go out of these doors tonight in that confidence. God is on 
your side. Let's tell, turn to somebody and tell them that. God is on your side. Huh? Amen. Amen. He's on our side. He's on our side tonight. And He is good. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Now, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and all your house and be gracious to you and give you peace, peace, peace. In Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.